0: hello this is tony speaks and this is my lovely wife kim we are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast becoming disciplined every week we meet learn from and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors follow us on our journey victor williams has 30 years of experience in firearms training and real world operations including 22 years in the United States Marine Corps as an infantryman, marine security guard, combat technical instructor, first fleet anti-terrorism security team supervisor, leadership instructor, and infantry first sergeant. Mr. Williams is also a certified firearms instructor with the National Rifle Association and the National African American Gun Association. Out of uniform, Victor Williams served as a senior security program officer with the federal government where he trained and evaluated various security programs. He has trained students of all backgrounds and skill levels and he looks forward to training you at his company, Freedom One Security, with the goal of creating an environment that reduces the fear of operating firearms and minimizes negligence. Safety is his top priority as he strives to increase his students' confidence, knowledge, and abilities through interactive firearms training. He is based in Stafford, Virginia, where he teaches students from all over Northern Virginia and Maryland. Please sit back and relax and listen to Victor Williams, because most importantly, he is becoming disciplined. Today on Becoming Discipline, we interview Mr. Victor Williams. Vic, welcome to Becoming Discipline. We are so honored to have you. Hey, thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you. Awesome, awesome. Now, Vic, before you educate us and share the share your story so far, I think it's good for my audience to be aware of your context, be aware of your uh, origin story, the beginning of your story. Where did you grow up? Oh, that's a good one. Well, I was born in Portsmouth, uh, Virginia. Uh,
1: I'm a military brat, so then I would have to pivot into saying I was like, California, Virginia, East Coast, West Coast, because we did a little bit of traveling. Every three years, we was moving from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, back to the West Coast, and then back this way. So mm. I lived the best of both worlds. Now, uh, your family, what uh, what branch of service? My father was uh, he was a uh, Marine, retired after twenty eight years in the Marine Corps as a master gunnery sergeant.
0: Oh, awesome! 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 Yeah. Family of Marines, absolutely. now uh what was your childhood like as you were as you were moving how did that create a different childhood for you how did you learn how to how to interact with people and how to make new friends how did that how did that work out for you i i always tell people that it was
1: uh, for me it was it was bittersweet uh and i i i say bittersweet because um the sweet part was I got the opportunity to see, to meet new friends and develop new friends and figure out ways to meet new friends. And uh, and I also think with travel, you know, comes education in itself. So um, being able to see what the West Coast is like, uh, when all my friends on the East Coast had never been out there, I got to show them and tell them and introduce them to my friends out West and the same thing out East. Um, however. The bitter portion is, is always the education piece to it. Um, where on one coast um, I, w- I was ahead, and then I moved to the other coast three years later, and I'm behind um, it, as far as the education piece. So by the time you really start getting into the studies and figuring out what the routine is, moving towards graduation, we're up and we're moving somewhere else, and then the the standards are going to switch at that particular time. So you know, my brothers, my siblings, and I—I I mean, we had to really hustle. Uh, to, to get back up to where we needed to be in order to make sure that we graduated on time. So that, that, that was a struggle. That's something that I always thought about even as uh, my wife and I, we had our kids in the military.
0: Mm. Now, uh, my brother had a hard time with the education in uh, in Germany. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times overseas, sometimes the education wasn't the greatest for the on on-base military schools. Did you ever experience that? Well, I, I thought, to be
1: honest, I thought some of the best schools that I went to was on base. Um, I, I, so I might as well say it now. Look, I graduated from Quantico High School. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I would say it's probably one of the uh, the the best high schools as far as education, the delivery of information, uh, um their willingness to support and help—I I really, I really enjoyed myself uh, at Quantico High School. It was just late in the game. I, I think I only spent like a year there, my senior year. Um, but if I would have had that foundation and, and stayed with it for a four-year period, I think I could have got a lot more out of it. No complaints, you know. When I talk about where I'm at today, all right. But as a um, looking back on it. I definitely, uh, my wife and I, we definitely discussed that, made sure that we was prepared for that, that
0: we didn't put our kids through that as they got older and they was in high school. Mm, It's good. It's good stuff. Now, I think I know the answer to this being that your dad was a Marine, but when you were a child, was there someone who inspired you with their level of discipline?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And, And I would, I would have to say my parents, um, because, again, moving from coast to coast and only staying stationary for, you know, two, three years at a time, it was hard to wrap your arms around somebody to say, hey, they, they're really good people. and I really want to be able uh, be just like them. But I was with my parents all the time and they always set a great example for me. So, um, yeah, my my parents set that example. Pops got up and put his uniform on every morning. Immaculate. Uh, went to work came back got out of uniform he didn't even discuss you know work when he got home i thought that was kind of different other parents they was discussing work my pops really never discussed work when he got home um he was it was just all about family time that's all he wanted to hear is what we accomplished during that day um what we got planned for the next day and and then that's breaking bread as
0: a family now as you got older did dad try to keep you from the core or did he help you get in the core how did that work out well i wouldn't say he didn't he didn't push the core on me
1: um, so that that that's a little different right there and when I say he didn't push the core on me, look the the key back then my I graduated in the eighties was hey, just make it out of high school. stay out of trouble, make it out of high school all right, and then we'll talk about the next phase at that particular time, but um. I think his big thing was find something that we enjoy and be the best at it. Um, as a, as a child, I've I've always kind of messed with my dad. and I used to always tell him that I'm not going to be a Marine. Cause I used to think it would just rattle him a little bit. He said, you don't have to be a Marine, but you got to do something with your life. All right. You're going to get out the house. and You're going right. to do something. <laughs> uh, and hopefully it's going to be something positive. So, so he really never pushed us in that direction. Um, so I, I guess, I would tell you the story like this I, I I graduated high school wasn't sure if I was ready for co- uh, college at that particular time
0: so I got a job
1: at, at a moving company uh, right here up there in Woodbridge Virginia making about16 dollars an hour back in the 80s that's that's good money right. um but the people in that in the organization uh, was a lot older <laughs> um, and, and they was doing different things and I remember the owner his name was Lacey uh and he used to always tell me, you can you could do something better. This is not where you belong. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I was looking at, Tony, is I was looking at as I was moving furniture, picking up boxes, taking them in and out the house, I was noticing the houses that I was seeing, big houses, the the family dynamics. And I was like, this is I never seen houses this big before. Um and I used to always talk to the homeowners, and usually it was in the military. Or retired from the military and i used to say how do you get all this what did you do and they just kept saying they worked hard started off in the military and it just started wearing on me more and more i knew the military was good because my you know my father and mother who are still together to this day uh, which is a blessing in itself um they set the example so i knew it wasn't going to be bad for me i just needed to see more and i wanted and i wanted more and i said hey this could be." the uh, the pivot point or the jump off to get me exactly where I want to be the right way mm. and seeing that I, I, I was going through the front gate one day and uh, they was doing I had some alcohol I'm gonna be honest with you Tony I had some alcohol in the vehicle right. uh, coming in the front gate and they was checking vehicles Uh-oh. and I had been drinking mm. and I, 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 pull, I tried to pull over just a little bit and I, I said a prayer I, I was like I told the good Lord, I said, look, if you help me get through this, I promise. There's no more shortcuts. I'll work hard for everything. I, I, I don't want this. Um, I don't need this trouble. Don't want this trouble. And when I pulled up to the front gate, and uh, they said, oh, it's one of the Williams boys. I was like, oh. yeah, it, it, yeah, it's me. They said, how's everything going? And now I, I told them things were fine. I said, we're checking every third vehicle. Get a second vehicle. Go ahead and get home. Oh, wow. And they let me through. And as uh, soon as I got up around the corner, I threw out the bottles, and I was done. I was done. Uh, that next week, I went, saw the Marine Corps recruiter, and uh, I said, hey, look, I'm ready to do this the right way. No more shortcuts. And uh, came and told my pops. I told him I joined the Army. That's exactly what I told him. to see if I could get a rise out of him, right? And he said, <laughs> hey, that's great. I said, hey, Army, Navy, Air Force, hey, they're all great. It's going to give you that jump start that you need. I know you're going to do great things. So I kept that story all the way for about two weeks until I was shipping off the basic training. We actually went up there in Woodbridge, and then my mom went up there with me. And I went in the Army recruiter's office, and I used to play basketball with all of them. And uh, my pops went in there and introduced himself. So he said, you got my son. He was like, what are you talking about? He he said, your son joined the Marine Corps. And I just looked at him. He said, you joined the Marine Corps? I said, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps.
0: (laughs) <laughs> and, and there it was. That was the story right there. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. That is awesome. Now, um, when did you know that you were gonna stay in for twenty plus years? When did when did that when did that happen?
1: I I would say right after we had our first child. Um I, I knew that was the best thing the best thing for us at that particular time, the benefits. I was uh I was I was a fast mover. I was getting promoted fairly quickly. Um, and I knew I could I could make the adjustment and do extremely well. And that's when I told my wife, I said, I think we should just ride this thing off until we're not having fun anymore. And she stuck right beside me, and, and we made it 22
0: years. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Now, what was your toughest deployment out of those 22 years? What was the one that it was something where it still kind of uh, – Kind of makes you shake your head or like how did i get through that
1: one i would say for me it was my first
0: um combat deployment mm.
1: um so that was that was back in uh the first gulf war um didn't expect to go to war and the thing that i was like i was like vietnam was way back then nothing's gonna happen we was already in okinawa i was with one mm. six and uh we got that call that we was gonna be floating over, and, uh, and I was like, and it was supposed to, as you know, you know, it was supposed to be the mother of all wars. I was like, right. wow, I really haven't even started my life yet. Mm. And, um, and here I am going to war, thinking I was going to be able to just play sports, have fun, and get a paycheck, right, and free food. Uh, but that was a rough one because everybody looked up to me. Um, because in training, superstar in training, I just wasn't sure was I tested for combat yet, real live combat. Uh, I could shoot at paper targets at that time, but I wasn't sure if I could shoot at people, uh, and how I would react in those situations. So going into that, Oh, it was stressful and there was no way it was really no outlet because being a Marine, we show no fear. And when you got young Marines looking up to you, um, uh, I, I was just in a box that I, it was, yeah, it was rough at first. It was really, really rough for me at first, but only I knew it. internally. I knew it, but, um, uh, but as God would see it, I I made it through it, did extremely well, and was able to educate other Marines as I got my second combat action riveted and, and
0: various other deployments. It just built my confidence up. Mm. That's good. Now um, in that deployment, um, you know, because I actually signed up during that that, that uh that war mm-hmm. uh or during that combat engagement. I signed up for, actually, I tried to sign up for the Marine Corps. My family wouldn't let me because I was 17. Uh, so then Went I ended, ended up here for the army. Um, but th- it, it was over fairly quickly. Now, did you, did y'all ever, did you, did you get the chance to engage or did it, you know, did they finish it before you had to engage? Now, matter of fact, um, one six, we
1: was one of the units that was over there the longest. We was already deployed in Okinawa, and then we floated over over there. And we ended up being deployed for, I want to say it was 11 months Mm -hmm. total. So we was there from the beginning, first unit on the ground. We're really the second unit on the ground and uh, still one of the last ones to leave Mm -hmm. when we was over there. So we actually crossed the border. Um, Matter of fact, we was with the Tiger Brigade, with the Army. Um, So, I mean, we we got to see some things. We got to do some things. But I tell you what, um, the main thing, even when I talk to other people, uh, we always give the army a hard time, but when I say when things hit the fan, we all pull together. Amen. We all pull together, and we work well together. That's good. So that was reassuring for a young marine at that particular time to see how we all pulled together
0: to make it through um, that the fog of war. Mm-hmm. Now I heard a lot. where a lot of them were surrendering to us at that time because they like there was a lot of folks that were like, "Hey, I, I don't, I don't want any of this." Uh, yeah. And they were they were surrendering to a lot of us over there. Did you see any of that? Or? Oh,
1: absolutely. I, I would um, as and I'm sure a lot of hopefully I'll be able to share this with some of the Marines. I still keep in touch with these guys to this day. But absolutely. They put up a firefight, for maybe 30. I, I would say no, no longer than a minute. Once they knew that they was outgunned, um, that's exactly what would happen. They would just go ahead and give up. Now, you know, there was a psychological piece in there, too. I mean, we was dropping pamphlets on them saying, hey, your best bet is just to give up. Um, so I think it was well played. We saw for the target prior to going in there. Um, but, yeah, after they fired a few, they, they, made a, they made a small attempt to fight, and once they knew they was outgunned, they was just in waves coming back.
0: That's good. That's good. Now, out of those 22 years, what was your sweetest assignment, the one that you just that, – that, man, it just makes you smile even thinking about it even to this day? And then you just brought a smile to my face and hey, my best my best
1: assignment was london england. So I was on marine barracks duty london england mm. and um, uh, Didn't get to wear the marine corps uniform. I was in civilian attire, you know as a young marine I had a, I had a firearm on my hip um, So it, it was just great duty and the most important thing is hey, that's where I met my wife At you know that's my sad. wife is half British half Jamaican and uh and she's she's been the brains of
0: the operation ever since. that's awesome. That is awesome. Now, um, you had to go to MSG school in order to go over there, right? Well see, the barracks' duty it's it's very similar to Marine
1: Security Guard. Um, and it was called Marine Security Guard. but it was what they was transitioning to is Marine Corps security forces. So okay. it's barrack's duty, although we was across from the embassy. Uh, where the embassy marines had restriction and curfews. We didn't have that right there. It was O three, specially trained as Marine Security Guards, and we was just guarding FMF Europe at that particular time. So we had everything that they had more, we just didn't have the restrictions. And Marine Corps Security Forces was new. I was the first class to go through down mm-hmm. there in Damneck,
0: Virginia, um, to go through that course. Now, was it weapons training or was it weapons training in martial arts? What what all did all that training? It was it was a little bit of everything.
1: Um most of it was just guard training. So um local guards, um, garden facilities, garden personnel, uh protecting facilities, escorting uh high risk personnel, um VIP escorts, things like that. That's all the training that we received on that. Sure.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, uh, what career advice, someone who's seen combat, someone who's been all over the world, someone who is a, uh, a child of a, of, of a Marine, what, what career advice do you have to that 18-year-old who is just getting out of boot camp and they are reporting to their first duty station and they're embarking upon their career? What advice do you have for them so that they can make the best of their uh, time in the Marine Corps?
1: I would, um, I always tell Marines to to set objectives, just, and it's not even just Marines. It could be any branch of the service. I think if you're coming in the military, um, have an objective. What are you going to achieve while you're in there? I don't just go in there for four years and get out and have nothing to show for it. Um, so I always, most of the time I'll tell people to come up with three things. Same thing I told my daughter is, um, something Set an objective that's achievable, right? To me, that's just like a confidence builder. I think the other thing is set an example that is challenging. You're going to have to put some work in in order to get it. Um, and then that last one is something that's unrealistic, all right? It's, a, it's one of those shot in the darks, just way out here, but it keeps you moving. Mm-hmm. And you make adjustments. And I always tell people, make adjustments every four years. Um, and I think before you know it, you're at that 20-year period, and you're out, and you've built yourself. That, that's that discipline right there. You're awesome. disciplining yourself and building that discipline in order to meet those marks. Because that's what life is all about, is really setting objectives and hitting them, right? That's right. I believe right. that anyways.
0: That's right. That's right. Now, when did you fall in love with weaponry? When did you fall in love with weapons? I, You know, that's... <laughs>
1: I'm sure there's some people out there that probably think I'm crazy for this right here. Hey, after I got out the military.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Well, you was in, you was in the infantry too, Tony? Was yes, you? yes.
0: I All was right. in Let's infantry, 91 to 95.
1: There you <sighs> go. So I, I, I was the infantry marine. You know, basically my whole career, even as a first sergeant. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was forced fun, mm. you know. So when when I retired and I. And kind of stepped away from the firearms a little bit. And then when I, when I got out there on the range with the family and just friends, and I wasn't shooting for qualification, for a promotion <laughs> or for a deployment coming up, it yeah. really felt good. Awesome. <laughs> that's and awesome. that's when I, I got that love back for, you know, just firing, you know, using the fundamentals, firearm safety, stuff like that. Oh, but wow. it really didn't grow until I got out of the military because
0: I was just around them so much. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was similar to me as well. I uh I when I was in the military, um everything was well first of all when I was going through infantry school, um everything was kind of like a fast food where we, you know, they would just you know, they had to have you shoot every weapon. So, I ended up shooting every weapon, but it, 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 I wasn't necessarily well trained on every weapon and and you know, so you end up going in, you know, Shooting a little bit of everything, and then um you are spending most of your time with the m sixteen and then uh you know um uh, qualifying and uh a lot of times going out there in the freezing cold and the the the, the awful weather and everything that wasn't the the greatest experience but then ironically some- in a similar fashion when I got out uh I was uh going out for a law enforcement position and had to go through. Matter of fact, it was a I think it was called Blue Ridge Academy in Fairfax or something similar to that, and it was like a law enforcement class that you had to go through where they taught you how to, you know, how to engage with criminals under certain circumstances and everything. And that's when I kind of fell in love uh, with with uh, with a least you know the weapon that I had at the time. So, gotcha. uh, but but yeah, you're right. The forced uh, the forced training can kind of take the love out of just about anything. So, uh, what is your favorite firearm? I, I, I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I, like
1: the, uh, I like the Glock 19, you know, the pistol. All right, Not, nothing fancy. You, know? you still got to apply the fundamentals to get, the, uh, to get that bullet on target. It's thinner mass in that paper. And uh, I just like the simple things right there. And, and to me, that Glock 19, it's simple, it's basic. You still got to apply the fundamentals. And you still got to, you, you have to practice. Right, right.
0: All right. Well that uh I'm I'm a, a little old school. I actually like revolvers. I know that's kind of dated, but but uh I I do I just like revolvers. I, uh um I just uh fell in love with them when I was younger. So when and how did you learn the importance of weapon safety? Like when did when did that start to really click for you? Was that that was after the military as well, or did you have any military experiences that shaped that? Yeah, I i definitely say military shape that for me um i mean firearm safety rules
1: um i mean they yeah it's serious and i think although it was always taught um that hey you don't break the firearm safety rules you don't break the firearm safety rules it really didn't sink in until somebody that i looked up to who i thought was like the supermarine um had a negligent discharge right there beside I mean wow. literally like 12 inches from my head. I was laying on the couch. Um so it's it's one of those that's when I was like, "Oh, this this really does happen even mm-hmm. with people that are proficient with it." And um uh, and that's when I really started thinking about it. Yeah, how did that firearm really go off? It didn't just go off. You put your finger on the trigger. Right. Right? Not right? have and it went and it went into the side of the wall, so you you didn't even have it in a firing barrel. Right. <laughs> You know, and things like that. So that's when I say, Yeah, things this could have this could have ended very, very, very badly. Mm. Um, and that's when I started really taking it serious. Once you hear that and you don't have the ear pro on and the eye pro and you're not on the range, you're just in a room, you know, getting ready to do turnover, and a round goes right flying by your head, you know, twelve inches away. Yeah, that's a wake-up call right there, but that's that's a reality check right there.
0: I saw something similar happen where uh, there was a young man not standing exactly where he was needing to be standing and it, and it was at the grenade range and uh, a little, just a little shrapnel of grenade went and hit him in the lip and uh, you know, and it it embedded deep in his lip and they had to, they had to, you know, hit him up and pull all of that, pull it out and everything. And that's where paying attention to the directions, it kind of, uh, woke me up as well uh now, now you said he was standing where he wasn't supposed to be standing he was right? not supposed, I mean, yeah he was not standing where he was supposed to be standing so yeah yeah i mean they, they told us to all stand shrapnel. on the bleachers they told us to go to the bleachers and then he kind of was off kind of doing his own thing and and just a little bit of shrapnel went now it still surpri- it surprised me that the shrapnel could hit where it hit uh because it seemed like he was a long way off but he still mm-hmm. He still got popped and that was an important lesson for all of us. Now, yeah. uh, where did you acquire your best weapons training? Where where did you where did you really get some some really great training? I I would say it was in uh Norfolk,
1: Virginia. I was with the Fleet Anti Fleet Anti Terrorist Security Teams, first FAST. Mm. And um, wow. I mean, we just gave the best training to those Marines. I was platoon sergeant for, uh, for one of the fast teams, really for two of the fast teams uh, that I got to deploy with over at 6th Fleet, and 7th Fleet. But the amount of uh, time, money, and uh, knowledge that we placed into the schooling for these Marines was top notch. I mean, we was firing so much that your finger would be sore. At the end of the day, I mean, that's how many rounds we was placing down range. And we wasn't just spraying. These were well-aimed rounds. Uh, You know, we had everything from snipers, CQB, Uh, CQB is close quarters combat, Uh, well-trained for any, any types of missions that we may receive worldwide. So, I mean, I really, really enjoyed that, that duty station as far as the amount of training and the responsibility, the worldwide travel uh, that, that, that took place plus it was an end up, you know, for, for staff and COs at that time, I was a staff sergeant, a platoon sergeant. Um, you had to be selected to go out there. Um, and, uh, although I had some, I had some great staff and COs that are out there with me, King Crutcher, and then, um, the sergeant major of the Marine Corps right now, uh, Troy Black, he was one oh, wow. of the platoon sergeants out there with me also. And we oh. were still all close and all tight. Uh, but just some of the best training. Uh, that we ever had was definitely with, with first
0: fast. That's awesome. That is awesome. Now um, I'll just tell you about experience I recently had, uh, because it's a concern that I, you know, you end up having, I I took my, my, my kids on an Easter Sunday. It was was actually Saturday. I took them to this uh, place in Richmond called Maymont mansion. And there was a long grassy knoll. And in this, uh, in this grassy knoll, they went, and uh, you know, I'm having them eat Kona ice, and you know, there's a lot of people out, and as I'm I'm there, and we're just kind of starting the day. I tell them, "Hey, listen, if something bad happens, you see that tree line over there, you know, and uh, I want you to run and run in a zigzag to the tree line if something bad happens. All right, nice. and and then I told them, you know, and I said, but nothing bad is gonna happen, um, and you know, my, my seven year old said, daddy, nothing bad is going to happen. You know, like that's, that was her response. And, you know, my wife has kind of learned to kind of like, she was like, all right, you know, as long as you don't focus too much on it, you know, I don't, we don't mind that little quick, little safety moment. Um, What, you know, with all of these shootings that are taking place with all of these events that are happening as someone with your training and your background, How have you prepared your friends and family for an active shooter event? I I stick with the basics because um, just like you said,
1: the the things that I've done um, in the military and even out of the military, I mean, look, stress will throw a loop in every plan that you had or you thought you had. Um, So I, I I don't expect the average person to have the training that you and I have. So I think Talking these things out and keeping it very simple, just like you said, run to the tree line, zigzag, get there as quickly as possible and wait there, and keep running. I think those, those are simple things that people can remember under stressful situations. So I like the way you told, uh, one, you kept your head on the swivel and, and you're looking around and you're educating at all times. But active shooter, run, hide and fight. I mean, it's real simple. All right. First thing you want to do is just get out of that area you can't get out of that area, you hide. If you find you, you fight. All right? You, you go down, fight, and you, you fight as a group. I don't care if I have to throw a stapler, a water bottle, my shoe, uh, to throw that round off somewhere else um, where I can close the distance on that individual, or I, I can make a little distance between him or her and, and myself. That's what you have to do. All right? Um, so I always say stick with the basics. Run, hide, and fight. All right. If if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. All right. Um, be aware of your surroundings. Listen. Don't just have your you, you know. You, you, so many kids, so many young people nowadays are just engulfed in these phones. I mean, you you could be clapping your hands and they're still just looking down. They're not paying any attention. I always try to tell people stay alert, especially nowadays because it only takes a split second for things to go sideways. All right. And you need that split cycle. I always tell people buy yourself time.
0: Now, uh, for me, I don't carry right now just because uh, I have an injury that I have to kind of get handled and get and get dealt with. And I think that when you carry, you have a responsibility. Yeah, uh, you have a responsibility. I I've heard, I mean, maybe if you, if you if you disagree, let me know, and I, you're not gonna hurt my <laughs> feelings at all. But I, I kind of believe if you carry, you have a responsibility to be in shape. You have a responsibility to be able to. To, to get people off of you. Um, uh, uh you know cuz I heard a friend say he said hey if you don't train um if you don't train and you're carrying a weapon you have become a holster for someone else. And uh and I was just I was just wondering what 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 kind of training or what kind of uh of preparation do you believe that that that, that people should take, you know, if they're going to carry how to how to protect themselves so that they don't end up, you know, becoming part of the problem.
1: I, I would say it's, it's mindset. I mean, that's the first thing you gotta, you gotta have the right mindset. Right? I I think, um, yeah, it's, it's mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're, if I'm carrying a concealed weapon, a concealed firearm, I should say, um, that doesn't, you know, and somebody comes and step steps on my shoe. Do I have the right mindset to to, to just step back, look up and say, don't don't worry about it and walk away? You know, if somebody comes up and spits in my face and calls me a name that I don't like, do I have the right mindset to know that this is this is not a a justifiable reason to to pull that firearm from my waistband? All right. So I always tell people that it starts with the mindset. Um, and I think once you get that that mindset, I think you're in a better place at that particular time. And then along with the mindset comes the training, all right, the muscle memory, and you have to train towards these things. Um, just, um, you know, you, you see these incidents, whether it's a movie theater, whether it's a grocery store, they, they happen very quick. All right. And, and nobody knows about those things right there. They don't, they, they can't see that they're coming up. So you have to be prepared. And there's really not a lot of time to get prepared at that particular time. So I said, make sure you have the mindset first and then, and then follow it with the proper training. And, and I, I think that'll that'll get you where you need to be a little bit a little bit closer. But yes, do I carry? Yes, I carry. Um, but I carry concealed. So I'm not one of these open carries that I'm walking with my arm up in the air saying, hey, anybody need any help with anything? Everything all right up in here? I'm here. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to call 911, all right, and and let the experts do what the experts do. However, back in a corner, all right, where uh, my life or my family's life is 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 in bodily harm, uh, and they leave me no choice because we're going to try to do everything we can to put distance in between me and, and, and that threat. Right. Uh, I'm going to run. I'm going to scream. I'm going to give them my wallet. I'm going to do whatever they need me to do until they leave me no choice all right where it's their life where it's my life or their life and then that's where the training is going to kick in at, at that particular time but they can have a wallet i can replace a wallet i'll get another paycheck i'm a retiree right. um they can step on my shoes i can brush them off all right but it all starts with that having the right attitude mm-hmm. yeah as right i see
0: attitude. as i see people argue about gun gun rights and gun issues mm-hmm. i'm like man you know, there's certain guys I want to have a gun. You are one of those guys, you know what I'm saying? I want guys like you to have a gun, but there's certain folks, like you say, you know, I remember one time at a Chipotle, there was this guy, you know, he was probably, he was probably 99 pounds and he he looked like he was around 90 years old and 99 pounds. And uh, he had this, you know, he had open carry, you know, revolver on him. And, you know, I was just thinking that, I'm not a tough guy and I can take that gun from him. You know, what I'm <laughs> and I'm not a tough guy, you know, so, but I knew I could take that gun from him. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's the concern that I have is that people have the right training before they go and, uh, and, and hold a weapon or carry a weapon. Now, uh, now question regarding that and regarding how you carry yourself and everything else. Uh, you move, you know. You move like someone who does it. Are you are are you a person who practices in the martial arts, or do you do you still practice? No, no. You know what? I, I'm not. My uh, my younger brother was huge in
1: Taekwondo, uh-huh. but um, I, I will say I got into the mixed martial arts in the Marine Corps. I loved it. I, I really, really, really enjoyed that right there, but. Really never gotten to anything outside of, of the military besides, you know, just basic combat hitting skills and things like that. Um,
0: but I but I've
1: always enjoyed that. I I think that goes back to the infantry training, the, you know, fleet anti-terror security team training. It's it's move with the purpose. All right. Um, walk with confidence. Um, uh, make yourself a hard target. Look like a hard target. Do I really want to take his wallet? All right. Um and, and to me that's the, that's the reason why I tell that's that you know that's that's how I move right there. I'm, I'm looking around. I'm being alert just like you, you saw that tree line just in case you would be that person. you can see that in people, how they walk, how they talk, how they move, how they interact with people. you can see that confidence and a bad guy's not going to go after a confident person. They're gonna mm-hmm. go after that soft target. that's right? So I, I just want to make sure that I make myself at least a hard target to give them a heads up or
0: forewarning that I'm, I might not be the one that they want to mess with. Mm. Well, and not to gas you up, but I actually, uh, and like I said, I'm not a tough guy, but I am an observer of people. And I, I kind of watch people so I can kind of use them. I, I call it the martial arts of observation and communication, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and you do, you, you know, you surprise me there because you move like you have, you know, when, the way you, kind of move with a purpose and the the way you kind of move when i've had to work with you you uh you do move like you're a person who has the martial arts. so you surprised me there i, I would have thought that you were uh you know like a a keto purple belt or something but uh <laughs> i have to look that one up Tony. <laughs> now uh can you tell our audience about the naga organization n w a g a
1: yeah um it's 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 a it's a new organization when i say it's new uh 2015 um it's it's pro second amendment and it's it was it was created by black people for black people but i always try to tell folks just look although it was created by by black people for black people all right look we always open up to all anybody that wants to come in and share this with us but I, I, I don't think we're we're gonna shy away from that, that we we need an organization that, that focuses in on African Americans, you know, um, whether it's gun safety, community development. I mean this the the, the NAAGA, I mean, they're doing something totally different. I mean, even when I went down to the course, um, I'm one of the inaugural instructors, um, uh, one of 24 in the nation right now. Um they put a lot of time in, into this, this curriculum. And, and when I say we're going to teach history, we're going we're going I've never learned about, you know, um, African-American history when it comes to guns. I was always told as a kid, stay away from guns, right? <laughs> guns and, and black folks, they just don't mix. You don't, <laughs> it's just trouble. It equals trouble. So this is an organization that wants to educate. And, and and who better to educate than people that look just like you? Because I I think what I've seen, um, even in my career, not not even talking about that organization itself, a lot of the schools that I've been to, and I've been to some pretty good schools, um, I, I, I'm I'm the only black guy up in there. <laughs> right, 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 right. And right. Uh, and when it comes to firearms, it's it's kind of like, okay, can this dude shoot? Yes, I can shoot. You know. <laughs> Whether it was with the rifle, whether it was with the pistol, going to these different courses, they was like it was kind of like they were surprised that 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 I could shoot. Yes, I, I'm good at this, uh, and and in a joking way, I, I tell people I'm, I'm surgical with this stuff. <laughs> but um, so that's what the group is all about. It's 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 fastly growing. Uh, we're we're gonna be doing community service. We're gonna be educating on, and if we can, and the key is this, we're trying to get more people educated about firearm safety, all right? And that's, to me, is the biggest thing. Because if we have a a pocket or a sector of people out there that don't want to go to a certain organization to get that training, then, then that's people that are not trained properly, which, to me, that's a dangerous society out there, right? But if we can, hey, if I can, we can create a group that can get out there where they can absorb that information and they're comfortable, and I'm all about it right there, because I think the more people that we have that are educated when it comes to to firearms, I think that the safer society is going to be as a
0: whole. That's just my
1: belief. That's just my belief right there.
0: Yeah, I uh, I don't agree with either side, because uh, my friends on one side try to believe in banning weapons. I'm not for that. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can have a bazooka as long as you. Have all the training that you you know all the training and all the clearances and all the mental health checkups and everything. There you go. But, uh, but I want uh, but but on the other side, my more conservative friends, uh, I, I'll just say this: There's a gentleman who told me, "Well, uh, we have different perspectives because we have different. We've read different things and had different experiences." And okay. with the military training and then also when I when I uh, tinkered with trying to be a law enforcement officer, uh, the, all of the training that they were putting me through before they were going to give me a weapon, you know, uh, I saw a lot of benefit in that, you know, so that when you had as long as you're going through that training, I think if we put people through that training and if we require people to go through similar training, we would can- solve 90 percent of all these gun problems. I think, I believe, because even the people who are a little off or, or you know, people who have issues
1: mm-hmm.
0: while they're going through the training, then it would come out. You know, like the like, you know, if, if for people who have those issues, I think in a lot of the. So, yeah, you might even have a, a, a you might have a plethora of events that would happen at fire, you know, at at at, at schools. But at least it would happen in a school environment where everyone there is kinda of trained and they're kinda of ready for it. Because if we put people through that kind of training, I think we would weed out a lot of these problems. You know? Yeah, I,
1: I I agree with you, Tony.
0: I really think
1: we can reduce these these issues that we're having out there with the proper training. But but that's the key right there. Um, it's making sure we have the right people in front of them to conduct that training. All right. And they're not just in there to grab a paycheck and right. just Sign a certificate and say, "Hey, you're good now." So, so that's my thing. It's I, I, I want to make sure that I deliver the right information the right way, where they can absorb and they can utilize it and build
0: upon it, you that's know, awesome. and and continue to take that forth with. them. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Dave Chappelle has a joke, and he said, uh, "If you want to ever fix uh, the whole gun control issue, he said, just have." everyone who is African-American in the country sign up for it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> all the gun control laws will be fixed overnight, you know? Yeah, uh, now, I, think, uh, I think that happened out
1: in California. That's right. One of that's those right. laws out there.
0: <laughs> with the Panthers. Amen, <laughs> amen. So uh, I, I'm loving what y'all are doing. I'm loving what y'all are doing. Now, what book, shifting gears a little bit here, what book do you recommend that has helped you the most upon your life journey? Well, for, for me, I think I, I've read more
1: Allmars, Marine Allmars and things like that. But a, a book that sticks out to me would have to be, uh, it was it was an easy read. It was Core Values mm. by, uh, I want to say it's Z- Zell Miller. Zell I want to say he was the governor of Georgia. He, he's okay. a former Marine and he put this book together. But it's just talking about kind of like the leadership traits and principles. And he, he's breaking them down one by one. Um, how what he learned in the Marine Corps as far as the good discipline being one of them. And, and he puts it together in a story where he's showing how the Marine Corps helped develop that discipline and where that di- that discipline paid off with him when he was running for the governorship. Um, but it's a, it, it, it was a great read for me at that particular time. It was, it was a while ago, but I, I still remember that book to this day. That all the little things that he was saying, I was sitting there absorbing that because I was trying to put it all together. Is this Marine thing really going to work out well for me? And reading it in that book where he's showing, you know, the leadership traits and principles, how you can use those beyond the Marine Corps and how it can make you successful. He was spot on. In my household and my career and the things that I've achieved, he was spot
0: on with that right there. And I just took that and ran with it. That is awesome. That's good stuff. I'm going to check it out. We'll put that in the show notes. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. At Becoming Discipline, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Which of these do you consider your strongest points, and which of these do you think you could use some work on, undeveloped areas? I would
1: say... um undeveloped areas to be my my spiritual um uh, like my parents are preachers and they're they're always sending up lessons for me and and my and my other brothers um but i i could put some more work in there i, I really could um all the blessings that i have i think i can give i can give a little bit more um strongest area um i think um mentally i, I think i'm I'm, I'm where I need to be. All right. I, I think I can, I can, I believe that I can maneuver in any crowd and, and put people at ease and it, I, I don't get rattled that easy. So
0: I, I think that's a strong point for me. So I, I would say that. Okay. Well, I can tell the audience that I can vouch for that because uh, you, I went to some training with Mr. Williams and it was the most boring training on the planet earth where it was literally watching paint dry and i literally i was stabbing myself in the eye with this training that we went to it was definitely not weapons training i won't talk about where we went to the training or you know who we were working for or whatever but we were at this training it was the most boring training in the world and mr williams not only not only did he you know listen and stay focused through this incredibly boring training we got tested at the end and he's answering all the questions for everybody, you know, so that, that's when I, that's when I, don't get me wrong, you're disciplined with the weapon stuff, but that's when I was like, no, I got to put that brother on the podcast right there. Cause you know, cause that's the next level of discipline. When you, and, and, and I really, I really do mean that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying it in a joking way, but i really mean it because, um, when you can force yourself to listen, when the subject matter is that bland, that is an incredible amount of discipline so that's uh that was that was something i i wholeheartedly agree with you you do have that mental discipline that ability to focus you're a father what mm-hmm. advice do you have for fathers today so let's i always like to kind of re- re- record and go back to i want you to think back okay to the first time you had one of your babies put into your arms right there at the hospital, or maybe you, you, maybe you've come back from a deployment and mm-hmm. the first time you held that baby after the, the the deployment or the first time in the hospital, however you held that baby, I want you to be that guy who's waiting for that young man in the waiting room. And what advice are you going to give that young man who is just becoming a father for the first time? I, um. I think the I
1: know the advice that I would tell them is is to understand that um this child did not did not ask to come in this world, but but you helped bring him or her into this world. Mm-hmm. And I think you should cherish this gift as your most valued investment. All right. And um uh, you need to just pour into him or her everything that you have. Um, all the lessons learned, uh, quality time, balanced time, because again, this is your investment, and if you want your investment to pay off, then you need to put that time into this investment and take it very serious. Um, and and that and and I mean, and not so many words. I mean, that's basically what I would tell them. This this is where the work starts at. And it was fun making them, all right, but the work <laughs> the work is now.
0: Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Work now. <laughs> now can you tell us about your new business? You've recently started a brand new business. Can you can you talk can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, uh, so it's um freedom one security. Uh it's it's kinda like a three pronged business uh concept that I have. And the first portion is firearms instruction, mm. uh, where I am the chief instructor and I'm I'm teaching all the fundamentals, teaching basic course for 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 novice or experts and i got in more advanced courses for those who have a little bit more shooting experience um the second problem to that is 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 going to be home security Mm -hmm. um teaching people how to fortify their homes and not make it look like a fort right 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 (laughs) so so some things that you can do before you get to that firearm all right Mm -hmm. in in your in your safe haven, in your room and and the third portion of that is is Probably about five, six years down the line is possibly putting guards on the ground, whether it be at churches, schools, uh, convenience stores, things like that. Something small, not too monstrous where it's hard to manage. And, and I really can't enjoy my retirement, but something that where I can still give back to the community. I, I can manage. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy pushing people to achieve whatever their, their goal in life is. So, th- so
0: that's my company right there. That's
1: awesome.
0: Security. That is awesome. We need more and more of that. Now, um, you know, Victor, I I just want to say we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need to do this. We truly appreciate you. You have the last word. Do you have any last words or insights for our audience? Let me tell you about our audience. We're typically an audience of 30 to 55 year olds, uh, who most of them professional and they're trying to become better. They're, you know i guess you could call us the get better club
1: because <laughs> they're just
0: trying to become better people they're trying to improve and become better people what advice do you have for our audience today well i i would honestly tony i i would tell them to continue to turn
1: tune in to what you are doing and listening to what you're doing because i'm a, I'm a firm believer and uh you are who you hang around mm. so if we all want to get better Right, We all continue to push each other. We'll get there. We'll get there a lot quicker if we do it as a team and as a family. And that's exactly what you're doing, Tony, is you're bringing us together as a team, as a family, and you're growing us. We're going to get there. We just got to keep pushing. Keep this up, Tony.
0: After hearing that interview, I believe that I'm going to have my own family trained by Victor Williams. I encourage you to do the same. If you have a firearm in your home, you have a responsibility to be trained on how to use it. Please check out Victor Williams at FreedomOneSecurity.com Don't become a statistic.